You ready? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I like the enthusiasm. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the S3 Magazine podcast. I feel like I'm way up here and Wooly's way down here. That's kind of how our life goes anyway. Uh, anyway, not going to lie, he's been bumming me out for about the last hour and a half just talking about the automotive industry and the aftermarket industry. He's not wrong, though. Um, being an automotive enthusiast right now is difficult. Uh, it's 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 really not a good time right now. When was the last time we were able to like report something good? In the past couple of months, all I can remember off the top of my head was the S650 Mustang being introduced, and that's kind of had a damper put on it in the past couple of days simply because you find out that the ECUs are locked up and you're not going to be able to do anything with them immediately. We'll, we'll eventually get that figured out and get past that, but still, it's a, it's a hindrance that I wish wasn't there. And then what the Hyundai N-Day stuff, which however long ago that was, but that was fun, good news, but ever since then, it's all been just crash and burn bad news because it seems like the EV industry has it out for the enthusiasts and the the American government has it out for the enthusiasts and you got takeover idiots out there screwing everything up. You got dealer markups, cars aren't available, no more manual transmissions, locked ECUs, the horsepower wars are over, <laughs> all the muscle car guys are going to EVs, the hot hatches are all but gone. And now we got 9,000 pound EV Hummers that are apparently just parking on highways and staying there for a day. Um, so yeah, man, it's not a good time right now. Wooly, what you got? <laughs> you, you, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. You said it. It's a, it's a really bad time to be a car enthusiast and to be car media. Uh, <laughs> but I guess if there's a silver lining, which there's probably not, but if there was, it would be something along the lines of sometimes like, you know, whatever, an army gets built and, and people get strong and passionate in bad times, right? Like sometimes good stuff comes out of bad times. Well, then I guess this is all of our moments to shine, people, because this is definitely uh, crappy times. We're trying not to cuss on this podcast. <laughs> So if we say weird words that aren't quite cuss words, that's probably why. Um, we were we were uh, we were a little naughty on a recent one. Griff. Yeah. Got out of hand. So we're, we're going to try to tone it back this time. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, we don't really have a, a, a specific topic for this podcast, but it's been a week or so since we made one. So I guess we kind of figured we would go through some of the articles that we've made this week and just kind of like hit those topics and most of them are kind of depressing we don't write the news <laughs> we just kind of know what it is what do you want us to do about it so, we just present it i mean yeah it's true i'm looking through it right now and it's funny because i feel like the the standard car enthusiast is a very mechanically savvy person for the most part and everything that is going wrong right now is tech related uh or government regulation related so yeah a lot of that going on right now which one do you want to start with well, i was just, really interested in the, the whole ntsb thing that you were talking about the other day yeah that one's pretty infuriating so like okay a, a couple maybe a month ago or so 
the NTSB, that's, hold on, let me think, that's the National Transportation Safety Board, um, which cannot make laws, but they're a government agency that exists because I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> they, they, because they there's just, enough leftover tax money for them. We needed another government agency with some acronym like NTSB. So these cream puffs uh, tend to just look at so like a month ago, they were talking about how they want alcohol detectors in every car, which, you know, on the surface, I think we even did a podcast, at least an article about it on the surface. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, except you're really invading people's privacy at that point. You know what I mean? Because it has nothing to do with like prior convictions or anything like that. They just think that every car should have a little sensor, I guess, up there by the rearview mirror that can somehow measure just by looking at you, your blood alcohol content at this point, and will disable the car. So it's a little overboard, but the really concerning thing is that within that, they were like, yeah, and by the way, we have the technology to implement speed limiters. We should absolutely be doing that because no lives should ever be lost due to speeding or whatever. So anyway, uh, cut to a month later or so, and they pipe up about the speed limiter part separate from the alcohol detector part. So now, and they're already testing this. They're testing this with the mayor of New York, um, God help her. And, 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 and so essentially, it's exactly what you think it is. It is a speed limiter in your car. Your car will see um, the speed limits on the road and will not allow your car to exceed it. So your pedal will go dead when it hits 35 or 45 or 55 or whatever it is. What, you look like you got something to say. Well, I mean, that is infuriating. If that ever happens, I will never, ever, ever buy any newer vehicle than any of the ones that I have right now because I drive fast just the way it is. But somehow never get speeding tickets. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I just can't see that actually coming into effect because do you really think our government's going to give up all that revenue that comes in every month from tickets? I don't know. I don't think that these people think that far ahead. I don't give them the credit for any of that. I think I, I think the big issue is instead of creating better drivers, like like we have a driver's test in this country, but there is like no driver's training. And uh, can we, we, we've got a growing population. We've got uh, a parent generation that's not teaching their kids. And, and so like what this world needs is real driver's training. And it may sound whatever embellished, but like, I think that the, uh, it, look, cars are heavier than ever. They're faster than ever. Even if they're an EV, they're faster than ever. Like we need people to know what a car behaves like at the limits. We need to incorporate aggressive lane changes. We need threshold braking. We need skid pads. You know, like we need this kind of stuff so that people can experience what cars are like at the limits. But we're not doing that. Um, we just keep doubling and tripling down on technology to basically protect people from themselves. And that never, ever, ever, ever remedies a problem. It never makes a better driver or a better human. It makes a more distracted driver that's more incapable 
period, and especially should the technology fail. Uh, and it will. It's, it's funny you say that because I, I always like to look at things from an engineering perspective. And it was so cool to see 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, all the engineering that was happening in the automotive industry was all about making better, more efficient, cooler products. And now it's become about safer products. We'll make them way, way, way less cool, but they'll be so safe. And they think they're, they think they're making it cool by making it safe. And that's what just, God dang it, man. Mm. Like this mayor of New York City, she doesn't have a freaking clue. Like this is on CNN, so take it for what it's worth. But like nobody on this video has a clue about vehicles whatsoever. This girl can barely see over the steering wheel. You know damn sure she's never like driven a performance vehicle or she can't drive a stick. She can't like, you know, this girl just by looking at her and listening to her is totally just incapable. And and she's just so happily catering to the lowest common denominator and actually trying to sell this as a good thing. A car, this lady, our government, this, this stuff that we're, the, these people think that they can control your life better than you can. They think that their, your safety is better off in their hands than your own. Is the government done anything in the past five years to show that your safety is better off in their hands than your own? Like, I refuse to be in a car that I don't have control of. Like, that's not going to make me safer to take away my ability to control a car. There are so many situations that we don't even need to get in the hypotheticals to where that could be incredibly dangerous. Speed can be a danger, but it is not like the danger to driving. Like crappy drivers is the danger to driving. Distracted drivers is the danger to driving. Bad roadways, bad traffic patterns that I know for damn sure Atlanta doesn't do anything about. Like these are, they all cause accidents. It's not speed. You know, they're trying to do this with um, the trucking industry too. Like they're trying to limit these guys to like 65 or 68 miles an hour. And it's idiotic. It Like, I can't believe we're even having conversations about this stuff. The truckers are like, okay, if we're out west, the speed limit is 80 miles an hour. We're going to go 65. That's dangerous. What happens when two of us get together going 65 and one can't pass the other? What's that going to do to the line of cars behind us? We can still go 65 and a 25, so we're not solving that that whole danger right there. Like, it's just not the people that are making laws in this country or at least making noise in this country. Like, they do not deserve a microphone. Like, I don't know where the hell, how they got here. It's It's insane. I agree. Do you remember when we were growing up seeing the whole no child left behind stuff that was coming out? I feel like the automotive industry is going through that right now, where, again, like you said, we're catering to the lowest common denominator. And instead of letting the fast, the good, the talented spread their wings and go out and be as good as they can be, you're just holding everybody back and saying, nope, we're all going to be in this stupid little cluster right here forever. And it's just it's it's a bad way 
it's a bad way to run things and it's an impossible way to run an industry. As you can see, I mean, you guys probably don't see it, but the, the automotive industry and the automotive aftermarket industry is torpedoing right now because of just horrible, horrible decision making. And most of them are on board with it because they see the big the, the, the big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of the possible EV future that they might be, you know, on the front line of. But I'll tell you this, a lot of those manufacturers are not going to make it. I kind of, you know, <laughs> I kind of predicted this from the beginning, but I think that at least one of the big three is going to go under um, before this whole thing is over because there's so many missteps happening right now and they're making so many vehicles that people don't want and can't afford. And there's just, there's just, it's, it's kind of bad all over, but everybody's just kind of throwing a smile on their face and acting like it's okay. And it's not. Other industries have absolutely figured out the supply chain stuff. I do a lot of work in the, uh, in, in soft goods manufacturing industry. So when it comes to like boats because it's all fiberglass and vinyl automotive interiors uh clothing furniture all that stuff for the most part they have it figured out the automotive industry is sitting there acting like the the sisters of the poor like everything's still terrible and oh we can't figure it out uh, games are being played here there is some shenanigans going on for sure because every other industry out there has pretty much figured this stuff out yeah um yeah i was gonna, just in general the automotive industry, they are catering to people that don't care about cars. And that could very well be their tragic flaw, like in this whole thing. Like, like I get that not everybody's going to be super diehard about cars, but like you're catering to people that not only don't care about them, but they don't even want to drive. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like what, I'm trying to think of an example. What other industry would cater to a people that really don't even want to use their product? Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, like it's just, it seems to me to be just bad business. It's a lot of virtue signaling. It's a lot of just, you know, whatever, screwed up mentality of the era. But like, you should make cars that people who like cars Make cars that would appeal to people that like cars and that understand cars. And then those people will set the trends. You know, it used to be car companies kind of made cool cars. And like, if you didn't like it, you could go buy a car from a car company that made generic stuff. But right now, they're catering to people that don't like cars. Now, how is that going to play out? You know what I mean? Like, it's like an interim phase. And eventually, people are just going to be like, I, I don't know. Like, what? Why are you making cars for people that ultimately ultimately do not want to drive them? While you're abandoning people that care about cars, and simultaneously you're losing America's love affair. And it's not just America; it's Europe too is going through this. The love affair that people have adopted for cars is getting lost. It is lost. It's gotten lost over the last generation. And then this next one will do it in. Like if they don't change their ways. So I don't understand the business plan there. And you take, you were talking about manufacturers and, and, you know, maybe some of the legacy guys not making it through this. I think that's very possible because I think they're giving 
too much of their business away to outsiders, and we can get into that later. But even SEMA, even our own aftermarket industry, they thought that the best way to do this was to play nice with the EPA. And they think that if they play nice and they try and like somehow get to be buddies that these guys won't come down on them, like it ain't gonna work. Like you, it is time to fight this. It is well past time to fight this stuff. And they're gonna sit there and agree with it and try and play ball until all of a sudden there is no aftermarket industry left. Yeah, I am, I am very worried about what's going to happen with the aftermarket industry moving forward. I mean, you're already seeing it. Like most of the aftermarket industry, other than wheels, tires, brakes, suspension, everything else revolves around gas-powered motors, gas or diesel-powered motors, internal combustion engines. And the government has all but said, you guys will be gone in 12 years. Um, and on top of that, now you've... You've got manufacturers pulling cheeky little tricks where they're locking the ECUs and just making everything more difficult. I mean, like, if ECUs are locked, well, let's let's look at it from from you know the perspective of one of, one of our good buddies, the guys who run Vortex Superchargers. Okay, we're just going to take them as a, as an example. They make their bread and butter off of the fact that the horsepower wars has been going on for the last know 10 plus years now with the big v8 boys right and business has been really good for them because everybody's been making you know making their muscle cars and everybody wants to throw a supercharger on those things okay well now dodge is out uh the camaro is gone the mustang is pretty much the last standing pony car but ecu is going to be locked harder than we've ever seen before and it's going to take some time to crack the code. They'll eventually do it. But if that's your only real muscle car platform that you can sell to, and no one's going to buy your supercharger until we figure out how to unlock it, Vortec is irrelevant until that gets unlocked. And then maybe somebody else makes another platform that you can go make a, make a blower for. Like, and, and, that, and that's just one really quick example off the top of my head. But that's the type of stuff that's going to start happening here. And these bad regulations and these poor decisions are going to have real world ramifications on people who like need these sales and need these jobs. People are going to lose jobs, like a lot of jobs over these decisions that are going on. I don't think a lot of you guys understand how large the automotive aftermarket industry is. It's freaking huge. It's about to be a hell of a lot smaller because of all the bad decisions that are being made we're coming at this thing just too fast. I mean, it seems like the people in charge just have a vendetta against this industry and can't get rid of it fast enough almost. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's obvious, dude. And, and, you know, that could change with literally an election. That's the weird thing in this country. And that's like, not to get political, but we, we have gotten to a point that we can't get to. We can't get to a point where, all right, let's say Biden gets elected. And then all of a sudden he goes, by 2035, all new cars have to be EV. And the entire automotive aftermarket that's, or I'm sorry, the automotive industry, the manufacturers that have just been rocked by Corona and supply chain now have to change everything 
and go on a fast track to EVs while simultaneously still making internal combustion vehicles for the large part of America that has no interest in EVs. So they're like making cars for completely divided customers and having to change everything. And then if Biden does not get elected, and let's say we have a Republican get elected, that's as far right as he is left, then it's like, okay, so everything that he did, screw that, we're not gonna do any of that. You guys make whatever cars you want and the consumer will decide. Well, then these guys are going, well, freaking great. Now we're, everything that we've done, we've completely derailed our company in the last four years. And now you're saying we didn't have to. And then the next president will get elected and it'll be further left. And it's, we can't have a country like this. This is not going to work, not only for the country and the, the divisiveness, but just for the businesses in the country, you cannot do this to these guys. Like yeah. th these aren't just little changes that they can make on a Monday. These are serious freaking, you are disrupting 120 years of automobile history here. I'm not saying that EV should not be pursued. I'm saying that it should be pursued naturally. It should be introduced in the market based on natural demand. I mean, you know, going back to the Vortec example, I was talking to some friends at a company, let's just call them Wally Performance, a legendary hot rodding company. And, and I was talking about doing an LS swap in my 944. And they told me, due to the EPA coming down on them, that they could not be a media partner in any such swap unless we either won only photograph or video or, or, or film the car on a track, closed circuit only, or if we swapped every piece of emissions crap from the original motor, not just cats, everything, into the 944. Or you could buy like a $9,000 GM crate engine that apparently has all the emissions stuff. Those were my options. And I was like, Dude, that is the most unhot rotting thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And he was like, I know, but you know, the EPA is just, they're watching us and they're coming down on us and we can only do what we can do. And it's like, but what is your long game here? Like, where does this go? Because it's not realistic, you know, like, mm -hmm. like hot rodders aren't wanting to, and when I say hot rodders, it's, you know, old school, new school, everything. People aren't LS swapping cars to swap the, emissions devices in them like and, and and the cars that people are ls swapping are not the freaking problem because they're not the daily commuters that are being bought by millions and billions of people it's cars that are seeing five thousand miles a year this stuff doesn't make any sense that like we've got i don't know in my opinion the epa and the government is just targeting stuff that's not really the issue here I agree. It's it's politicking for politicking's sake. Uh, and going back to what you were talking about with the politics side, the massive swings right to left, we're already seeing that stuff. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I may be misremembering this, but I think that when Trump was in office, he he basically rendered the EPA pretty much irrelevant. Um, they didn't have any power. And then as soon as Biden came in and the EV agenda was presented, he basically gave them the keys to the castle, and it's immediately going after anything diesel. 
um, and going after anything performance. You know, I mean, if you guys haven't looked at it yet, the RPM Act is is trying to combat some crap that the EPA is trying to redefine definitions now. They're essentially trying to make it to where uh, race cars cannot be. What, what, what was that whole thing? You can't modify a street car to be a race car. Yeah, you can't modify a, a manufactured street car to be a race car. They want everything to be purpose built, which is insanely more expensive, like a hundred times more expensive than just doing it the standard way of modifying it and already made chassis. Dumb. That's so, so dumb. A, a, a freaking Honda that runs eight weekends a year around a two mile track for what six 20 minute sessions is not the environmental issue here like that's the thing we've got government agencies that are going out and just pirating people making their lives harder making businesses harder making recreation harder hurting aftermarkets hurting you know all this different stuff and it it's it's total horseshit and the other side of that coin I guess to try and transition to this Hummer story, which was another story we wrote about, is like the crap that's going into new cars now is getting asinine. Um, we I don't know if we ever finished it to talk about this whole NTSB thing, basically to put a bow on that. I mean, they want to do exactly what it sounds like. They want to make it impossible for your car to speed, and they think that that's going to save lives. And then that kind of transfers into this Hummer thing and, and what the government's doing, enforcing on all these auto manufacturers. Like, all these sensors, all this BS that's going into car... What? Before we go into that, I'll let you go into it in just a minute. But really quick thing, the NTSB are basically the same people who also just deemed uh, that in Washington, D.C., you're no longer allowed to make right-hand turns on red lights because people might walk in front of you while playing on their phones or not paying attention or doing whatever else they're doing instead of just paying attention to walking. Um, so again, catering to the lowest common denominator, AKA morons. But go back to what you were saying. Yeah, we need to ban the NTSB. Um, but in the same mindset as these idiots, like, you know, they're forcing manufacturers to put all of this crap into cars. Anyway, the, 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 the Hummer story. So these guys, what is it? It's Fast Lane Truck or something. These guys are like big YouTubers. So anyway, they, uh, they're big YouTubers. So they went out and bought a Hummer EV so they could get views. And um, this thing like got a little wet one day. It was like two or three days after they owned it, like less than 500 miles of use. I think it had like 200 and some odd miles on it. It was wet outside and... The car, the Hummer started throwing codes. Uh, so you know, the dash was glitching. I think it threw a, a steering code maybe. And then I think it threw like a, a tire pressure monitor code. And the owner was like, uh, let me try and do a fast reset on this thing or something at the red light. Well, that was a bad idea because the car, the Hummer totally bricked itself right in the middle of like a four lane highway during rush hour traffic. and would not move, wouldn't do a damn thing. There is no troubleshooting that you can do to this car. He couldn't even pop the hood because that's electronic and the car was completely dead aside from a little light on the dash that said failure. Um, so these are the kind of problems 
that we're dealing with. It's completely asinine problems. And I know that any new car can break, right? It's not fair to put that on an EV. But like, this is a $114,000, 9,000-pound brick in the middle of a highway, and it's not like a regular car that can limp itself off to the shoulder or that if you have some mechanical ability, you can kind of like shake some things and squeeze some things and maybe pull a small little toolkit out the back or have your buddy meet you and try and die. There's a chance that you can get home if it's a regular mechanical failure, but the Hummer EV is not mechanical. It is electronic. It is a different animal. And this is the kind of crap that we're heading towards. Yeah. Fix, fixing this thing is, is it's not like the old school cars where you would just throw it in neutral or try to jumpstart the manual transmission with your buddies. It is a, it's basically like when your laptop breaks and you have to just, you know, tote it to the geek squad, hope they don't find the website that you were on when it went down. Uh, except the difference is it weighs 9,000 pounds and it does not want to move. So good luck with that, you know, getting, actually getting it there. But that's the type of stuff that we're dealing with. It's just a totally different animal. So that's the thing. Us, you know, people who are car enthusiasts and have a little bit of mechanical knowledge and know the little tips and tricks and stuff, that stuff means bupkis. It means nothing when it comes to these vehicles. There, there are no tips and tricks. And the fact is, the engineers who are building them are so concerned with just making them sexy and sleek and having the newest innovative designs and stuff. They're not making the needed mechanical fail safes that really need to be in place to avoid situations like this, because there should be a very simple, oh, it did that. All right. Well, go in there. Uh, there's a little button behind the blah, blah, blah. It disengages the clutch and it'll let you push the vehicle. Nope, it doesn't do anything like that. It just locks the whole thing down and says, return to manufacturer somehow. The wheels won't turn, but return it to the manufacturer. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like drivers are giving up control, man. They're giving up control of the vehicle and drivers should always have that final control. Um, and that's what the automotive industry and, and, and this whatever, this legislation, this government is trying to do is take that away. And it's, it's, we're going to see more and more and more of these types of problems. I mean, I guess you can trace that one back to a sensor getting wet. Something that simple. And that brings us to another article. The taillights on this Hummer EV are $3,000 a piece. So that means if you're, first of all, the car's so freaking giant that I can't imagine anything aside from a semi-truck that would rear-end you and actually take out the taillights. But if you happen to need a new set of taillights at $6,000 for that car before installation. Yeah. Which begs a whole nother problem that now car manufacturers are making cars that are essentially on the level of freaking airplanes. Like, don't you think, I don't know, this is just a question for anybody out there. <clears throat> is there a certain responsibility of car manufacturers to make the car using parts that make sense and that are going to be serviceable? I mean, I think so, but a lot of automotive manufacturers throughout the years have made just 
money hand over fist by doing the opposite of what you're saying, by making the parts as exotic and as expensive as possible. So you've got this cool car that you really, really love, and then you take it in for service or because you got into a little fender bender and you got to replace something. It's like, holy crap, that's how much? It doesn't make any sense, but it happens all the time. And at that point, it's like, I, I got you moment. You've got no other option. You have to do it. I mean, I guess it comes down to being an educated buyer, which most EV buyers are not, to be quite honest. Most buyers in general are not. You know, the, the best you can hope for is that they have an educated friend who kind of tells them, uh, stay away from that because of this, stay away from that because of this. But uh, and, and to be honest, that's how so many people got into Hondas, because me and you and everybody else, all the other knuckleheads were out there racing around in Hondas and Mitsubishis and Toyotas and Nissans and stuff. And in the process of beating the crap out of those cars, we were like, man, we really treat these cars like crap. And they're really reliable. Mom and dad you guys should buy these cars because they're really good. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what makes those golden era Hondas. And when I say golden era, you know, late 80s through the 90s, the hatchbacks and stuff, it's what makes them so great. Like history now has proven them to be great because they're modular. I mean, like even right now, that car can be 30 years old. And if you grenade the engine, well, that's kind of like good because – for three grand, you can buy like a really hot case swap and throw it in there. And then you start all over again. Like these cars, they keep going. And if we're talking about being green, isn't that kind of like a primary, like uh, essential ingredient is to keep it going. Like take what has been manufactured and make it last. Like the Hummer EV is, I'm just using that as an example because it is a prime giant 9,000 pound example of what is not green. That car takes a tremendous carbon footprint to even build. You can literally build a half a dozen or more hybrids with the same amount of battery and footprint as it takes to make one EV. And the freaking thing is going to be obsolete inside of 10 years. That's the thing that I'm really most scared about with the direction that we're going right now. I, I really feel like we're not being told the truth, you know, or it's just half truths, whole lies. And I, th there's no other product out there that's like these EV, EVs that are being built right now. The closest thing I can equate them to is a cell phone. And I'm afraid it's one of those things where you buy your EV five, six, seven years, the battery is just done, it's toast. And just like a cell phone, it's time to either trade it in or throw it away and get a new one. Mm -hmm. And that terrifies me because that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. Like for this to actually work, these EVs need to be a lot more like the Hondas from the 90s. They need to last 25 years, not six, and then get a new one because it does take way too much in terms of resources to build them. Well, and that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a future in the automotive world where let's say you buy a 2025 what you might call it that battery lasts for maybe eight years and then after eight years the car is otherwise fine battery's bad you find out that battery is going to be 30 to 35 thousand dollars to replace so at that point you know by 2033 or whatever it is your option is to basically get totally screwed on the trade-in because it's essentially a brick 
and then have to go buy a hundred thousand dollar, eighty to hundred thousand dollar EV all over again, or mark my words, they're going to start financing your battery at thirty or thirty-five thousand dollars. So then you're still going to have an eight-year-old car with an additional <laughs> car payment now because you're having to finance that battery. Like this, this doesn't work. As and that's the problem. Is like I think it would be easier for car enthusiasts to swallow if it made sense. You know, it'd be easier to be like, okay, maybe, maybe this is the best way for the environment. Maybe I need to swallow my personal <clears throat> preferences or whatever and, and use the internal combustions as a weekend recreational thing because, you know, we do need to do the right thing here for future generations. But that's not what it's about because if you are a car enthusiast, you have enough car knowledge to know that this, this stinks. Like this is not green. This is this is an agenda. And and that brings me to another point that we have not actually talked about on any other platform yet, but something I'm really worried about. Several politicians have come out recently and said that they want a they want zero emissions cities in the future. And when they say things like that, so so far they've basically just come out and mandated that by 2030 or 2035, depending on where you live. They want all new vehicle sales to be EVs. But whenever you say stuff like we want zero emission cities, zero emissions countries, that means that those gas powered vehicles that you own, they don't want you driving them anymore. Right. And that's a whole new line of screwed up stuff because now you're going to tell me that I my expensive investments that are my hobby that I love and are completely supported, I might not be able to drive them because you don't like them and you happen to have the power with voting to stop me. That's, now we're talking about some really, really crazy society that I don't want to be part of anymore. Yeah, you're talking about an unfree nation. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the point here, <laughs> that we need to be intelligent enough to see where this can go. You know, it's not, it's, it's not whatever, wearing your little tinfoil hat or being dramatic to try and plot out where this could go and to see that it could be bad. That's just being intelligent. You know what I mean? Like to just go with everything is kind of the definition of stupidity. And that's what a lot of people are doing here. Um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, I hate to lump everybody in the EV category together because I know that there's there's a lot of car enthusiasts that are open to it and receptive to it. And I understand that. But then there's also a lot of people that just blindly believe what they're told. And, and it's just, you got to start questioning like what people are telling you and why they might be telling you that. Or else, yes, we will get to that point. We could very, very well get to a point in the near future to where you are not allowed to speed because your car won't let you and you are not allowed to drive your internal combustion engine because your city or your government won't let you. Like that's not freedom, that is crossing the line. I don't care what you prefer, but there is a point where like, you know, you can't tell other people what they're gonna do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know where you draw that line. And, and you know, on top of that, in the midst of this getting freaking forced on us, 
it's also going up in price. <laughs> like, so it, it's not really good for anybody. It's making the vehicle much more complicated. It's making it more expensive to purchase. It's making it impossible to service and maintain, and it's making it become obsolete faster. I think for the first time in, in our experience, like you're gonna see people start to seek out older cars instead of newer cars. I think you're gonna see, you haven't seen it yet. See like, like these car manufacturers are still kind of riding high and, and they haven't seen the true fallout from building cars that people don't want. But I think that you're gonna start to see like mass parts of America just reject new cars. You're gonna see the whole heartland areas say, you know what? Like I'm kind of not going 2018 and above. I'm gonna get, you know, the base model Silverado that had, you know, the regular radio and the roll up windows and all the stuff that I can maintain, that I can fix if it breaks, and I'm just gonna drive that for the long haul. And then what is the car industry gonna do at that point? Like, again, in our lifetime, in, in America's lifetime, we've never been at a point where people don't want the new cars. People have always wanted the new cars, but we're in uncharted territory here. What happens if people stop buying them? Well, that's a very real possibility. I mean, it, <laughs> Manufacturers, for the most part, have kind of quietly switched, switched, I can't talk anymore, it's too late, they've kind of quietly swapped over to just-in-time manufacturing, where instead of, you know, just making as many vehicles as possible and pushing them out there and sell, 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 they're literally just pulling it back and saying, this is what we need to sell, so that's how many we're going to make, you know, just over that. Um, but... I lost my train of thought. Crap. <laughs> well, that stuff to me is just bad business. That is like that post-corona kind of twisted mindset where we're, we, we, we found a loophole here. Instead of making as many cars as we can so as many Americans as possible can buy them so we can outsell our competition, they're going, oh, we found a loophole here. If we can build just less then, you know, then what the demand is, we can just keep getting like the most money for each one. We can lay off a lot of workers, run the machines at half mass or half pace or whatever you say, and, and, and just operate like that. Right? We've never seen the automotive industry back off before like that intention. They're not the only industry trying to pull this crap. It actually has a name. It's called Industry 4.0. And there are multiple industries that have been trying to do this for a couple of years now. Um, the other problem is you were talking about how car sales might just literally stop. It might just dry up. That's very possible. I mean, we are, we are barreling towards a recession right now. A lot of people would say we're already in it. Um, if we are, which we probably are, it's going to get worse, you know, um, because we've already seen everything else happen. You know, most of the steps of the recession of how it typically goes have already happened. The last thing that typically happens is people lose jobs and they stop paying their loans, their mortgages, their car loans, their business loans. And then that's when everything goes even worse. That's when you go from losing a lot of jobs to losing just all the jobs, like just like we did back in 2008. 
Um, so there's a very real possibility of that happening. So the automotive, these automotive manufacturers have been painted into a, a really dangerous corner. A lot of them are making cars that people don't want right now. And even the people that do want them, a lot of them can't afford them. And even the ones that can afford them can't freaking find them. And you're about to cut off that demand. Uh, so if you have all those roadblocks, all those issues, and all of a sudden the demand falls, the price and everything else is going to plummet with it and it's going to have to. But the next problem is these manufacturers, they're making new products now they've never made before in terms of the EVs and the hybrids and stuff. So their costs are not low. So they can only go so low on that pricing. You might get to a point where like, if it gets bad enough out there, literally no one will be buying vehicles. No one. Yeah. Cool. Well, with that, <laughs> I know this is how we started off this podcast. It's hard to be an automotive enthusiast right now. It's it's as an enthusiast, it's hard for me to watch the automotive news every day because I feel like the industry that I know and love and my hobby is being just killed by freaking bureaucrats every single day. And it makes me sick. I can't stand it. Um, Every once in a while, dude, I get like a little bit of good news. Like I'm looking at another article we wrote about the new Lotus Fittipaldi edition. And it is an EV, but it's different. It is exciting. Like the fact that it's an EV doesn't define it. It's like a badass car that happens to be an EV. And you see that those, those little stories in there that are few and far between, and you feel it again. Because trust me, dude, like writing articles all the time, I'm like, dude, what is wrong with me? Why is everything so negative? Is it me? Am I jaded? Have I been doing this too long? And the answer is no. Like it's, it's literally the environment that we're in and it's the automotive industry and it does suck right now and 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 it's these little things like this lotus that remind you like you feel that energy like that's what this is supposed to feel like that's what the automotive industry felt like when i was a kid you used to like anticipate the future like through a car you used to be like oh my god that thing is so freaking you know like when you're a kid you're like that f40 is like mind-blowing what are cars gonna be like when i grow up who would ever thought it would be fucking Honda and Sony joining forces with GM to make an EV that you could practically buy at Best Buy? Like it, it's the, it's the dumbest crap, and it is our duty and y'all's duty listening. Not, don't get beaten down by. I mean, you can get beaten down and mad by it, but like, don't let it beat you. Don't think that it's you, because it's not you. There needs to be people out there to at least at, at least speak up and say, hey, this blows. This is not this is this is stupid. Yeah, it, it's it's not that I hate EVs. I actually think that it is a path that we need to look down. I don't think it's the cure all that so many people do think it is. Anyway, I hate the fact that the automotive industry has basically turned into Ikea. Let's call it what it is. It's basically turned into Ikea. I mean, I hate flaccid internal combustion engine crossovers more than I hate most EVs because they're just boring. I hate boring, soulless, just bad vehicles, and that sucks. What I hate even more than that is when the government tells you that's all that's going to be available. So 
that that that's kind of where I stand on everything, just so everybody's clear on it. I'm not just some EV hater. I just hate bad cars. And I really hate it when governments tell you you have to buy said bad cars. I mean, well said. All right. All right. So well said. We'll end it at that. Um, let's plug our app. If you guys have listened this far and and you're wondering about any of these random articles that we mentioned, we we write a lot of them and they're all in the app. You can download it for free on Apple or Android. It's it's under S3 Magazine. It's the letter S, number three, magazine. Um, or you can see it on our website, s3mag.com, you know. Uh, but I guess I guess that's it. We'll we'll keep we'll keep looking for the uh, good news out there, but we're damn sure not gonna ignore this the stupid news. We'll bring you that too. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, well said, Willie. Good night, guys.